0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
1: Welcome back. With the warm summer weather comes some important information we need to know about taking medication during the summer months. Did you know that exposure to extreme temperatures like today could make your medications ineffective, even dangerous? And there are some drugs that make you more sensitive to the effects of the sun. And then there's the matter of how best to store medications in the summer, especially if you're traveling. So, I am here with our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, Dean Miller. Hi, Dean.
2: Hi, Libby. How are you?
1: Fine. How are you? Very good. Let me give the numbers out again before we get to it. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1 866 744 740. Dean is here to answer your questions about all of this. Of course, he'll answer any of your pharmaceutical questions. Dean, over to you.
2: Well, yeah, Libby, it's that time of year, right? So it's um, heat is actually um, heat and sunshine and humidity are are terrible on medications. You know, uh, often, you know, we get here in toronto and and in ontario from one extreme to the other we've got super cold weather in the wintertime and we've got super hot muggy weather this time of year and the super hot muggy weather is harder on your medicine cabinet than certainly the cold weather is because cold means it's cool and dry and and those are actually the way medication should be stored whereas you know um, the the humidity or you know even for a few hours keeping medication in a car you know all the extreme heats and things you know really can play a, a dangerous role in your medication because it can help it uh, break down a lot quicker and obviously you want to use it when it's a hundred percent not ninety percent or eighty five percent so
1: so I mean is there a way to tell if if uh, your, your medication has been subjected to heat in a bad way um. Well,
2: n- not so much heat uh, I mean, the humidity does a real number, especially you know as everyone knows if you look at your different tablets some of the some of them are just pills, some of them are coated um, you know the ones that are coated tend to be a little bit more durable because they've got a hard coating on the outside of them. they're not as subject to the high humidity and that sort of thing, but regular medications that are just in a tablet form that aren't aren't don't have a coated coating on them. Uh, unfortunately, those absorb a lot of humidity out of the air and they can start to break down pretty quickly. I mean, there's a reason why uh, when you go to the pharmacist that your medication's in that amber colored uh, medication bottle or sometimes they're blue. I mean, we have some pretty stringent um, standards when it comes to light sensitivity. Um, so those bottles, you know, they might just look like they're in a pretty color, but they they actually uh, block uh, degrees of light uh, in Ensure that those medications stay as stable as possible. So.
1: Okay, and again, uh, if you've been keeping your your medication in a in the bathroom, where I know you shouldn't keep it right. uh, throughout a heat wave without air conditioning, uh, chances are, uh, what has this been going on for almost a week? A week? Now.
2: Yeah, 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 and and y- it doesn't take long. That's that's you know that's the the reason why, as a pharmacist, you always kind of say, you know, keep it keep it someplace especially out of light um, because light uh, you know direct sunlight and things like that even though these are amber colored bottles or colored bottles they'll block a fair degree of that light they still can break down fairly significantly so yeah the this is a good week to be talking about this because it's been so so hot and humid and and medications and and you know we didn't really say anything about liquids and, you know, liquids and insulin and things like that. There's a lot of those that need to be, uh, you know, they're stable at cold temperatures, you know, fridge temperatures. So, you know, when you get weather like this, it it can really kind of alter the way these medications work.
1: Does it make sense? You're talking about pills. Does it make sense to put
2: those in the fridge? You know, not a bad idea, actually, because the, the fridge is cool. It's dry, um, you know. <laughs> It's never from a. It's never a good thing, especially kids and stuff, because you store your food in the in the fridge. Um, But uh, you know, not a bad piece of advice, especially in weather like this, to you know put them uh, put them in the fridge because you're you're not subject to the humidity and light, especially. So,
1: okay, let's uh, take a couple of calls. We've got Rhonda in Scarborough. Hi, Rhonda.
3: Good afternoon. Hi. I was wondering if you could um, help me out a bit. My father was just diagnosed yesterday. He's 86 years old with uh, angina, congested heart failure. Um, the doctor never prescribed anything as of yet. Um, but, uh, is there pills that help this condition? Um, could you give me a little insight on angina and, and maybe you could ease my mind a bit?
2: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, good, great question. Um, angina is, um, and I'm not, I'm not surprised that the doctor hasn't taken action yet, yeah. um, because often what uh, they want to find out exactly what kind of angina, because there's different kinds of angina, okay. and angina actually is is a blockage in the uh, in the uh, you know arteries and, and ventricles into into the heart, and because uh, you know it sounds like it's combined with congestive heart failure, especially. Um, you know, there'll be there'll be pain and 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 that usually radiates down somebody's arm. That's usually the very first time or the very first sign of of angina is when somebody might comment. They'll say, "You know what? I've got a shooting pain down my arm," and that's that's typically you know angina if it's not you know as a result of an injury or something. He's
3: been coughing like. Comes and it goes. We have yeah. central air and keep the house cool. But I've noticed, like before, when I took him to the doctor, he was coughing, like when he was out in this heat.
2: Yeah, that that's probably the congestive heart failure part. Okay. Of it, because the congestive heart failure, what ends up happening is because your your um, uh, your heart's not working as effectively as it as it should you get fluid and it gets retained in, in that area and it can actually cause somebody to, to you know, start to cough and, um, you know, gets, you know, the right side of your heart beats into okay. your lungs. Can you
3: tell me anything I can do to make his life more comfortable in this kind of weather all summer?
2: Uh <laughs> Well, you know, it shouldn't, so. I wouldn't think that, you know, I mean, with a complicated uh, medication situation like that, I don't think he'll be off medication for too long. I'm sure the doctor's going to get him on it uh, yeah. fairly quickly. Angina, I mean, it's it's usually caused by strenuous activity in which the heart starts working. I mean, really, the best, the best idea is for him just to sort of stay calm, uh, don't do a lot of activities, especially in the heat, um, because, you know, you already have you know, potential, higher potentials for dehydration and things like that when it's this hot. Yes. And that can cause a lot of heart problems. And So
3: is there a change also, of diet also uh, that he should be doing? And uh, I know not drink a lot of water.
2: Yeah, diet is, is um, I, I'm sure once he goes through the protocol with angina and congestive heart failure, you, mm-hmm. he'll probably meet with a dietitian. but it really is nothing more than just healthy eating.
1: Uh, thanks oh. for the advice, Dean. Thanks, Rhonda, Th- for your thank call. Thank you very much for your... Okay, let's concern. go to... Lilia in Toronto. Hi, Lilia. Hi.
3: Good morning. Good Good afternoon. Morning. Hi. Good afternoon. I would like to ask if it, yeah, I just, I just would like to ask if uh, my husband is using uh, Sandus Candisartan and Atorvastatin to lower blood pressure. Right. Is that okay for him, Doc?
2: Oh, that's a very, yeah, I mean, that is a newer class of blood pressure medications, and it's combined with a water pill as well, so it's a combination. So um, one of the safer ones out there, uh, you know, it's uh, probably hit the market within the last 10 years, so it's one of the newer classes of blood pressure medications. So, um, you know, very, very safe, very effective. He Most people don't get too many side effects with that one, but yeah, it, um, I mean, blood pressure is a funny thing because there's, you know, Thirty different medications for so that's blood a pressure. New and it's, one, right,
3: it's
2: because pretty new. I yeah,
3: because I heard radio, That's a family of sartan, telmisartan. Correct. Correct. And this one card is one Sandoz cardisartan. So I'm just asking about it.
2: Yeah, Sandoz. What you see on there, Sandoz is the brand.
3: Oh. Yeah.
2: So that it's it's still the same uh, medication, but that's just a uh, Sandoz is a generic drug manufacturer. Oh. So.
1: Thank you so much. You're okay. welcome. Bye-bye, Lilia.
3: Bye-bye.
1: Okay, uh, we have to take a quick break. I'll give the numbers out again before the break. We are talking about storing your medication during a heat wave, uh, about what could happen to it during a heat wave, about how to be safe in a heat wave, and we're taking calls on all kinds of questions. We've had uh, calls on high blood pressure and angina today. Dean, of course, is ready to take all of your calls and questions. Before we go to break, the numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. We'll be back
0: right after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm here with
1: Dean Miller from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. He's taking your calls and your questions on all of your pharmaceuticals, on the drugs, on how to deal with them during the heat, and basically on whatever you want to ask. So uh, let's go right to the phones. Bruce and Markham, hello.
4: Hi, it's Bruce. Good afternoon. Um, Does vitamin B have to be stored at a constant temperature?
2: Is it uh, affected by extreme heat or cold? Uh, yeah, Bruce, um, you know, it really depends a lot on the brand and, you know, whether it's a capsule or whether it's a, uh, it, are, are they tablets, the ones that you no, take? No, it,
0: it's
4: a injection that I get.
2: So I, oh, I vitamin, get a vitamin, oh, okay, an injection, yeah. So it's probably vitamin B12 or something, correct? Yeah,
4: correct.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, injections are... Um, are highly sensitive to, uh, you know, changes in heat. So, um, I mean, you have to be extremely cautious with the way those are stored. Um, you know, uh, if it's if it's being exposed to high temperatures in a car for too long um, it can start to break down now the good thing is it's vitamin b and I was kind of generalizing about injections but vitamin b doesn't really break down into anything that's you know harmful or dangerous um, but it can start to degrade over over time so the effectiveness might uh, might be affected but it is vitamin b so you know it's um, it's not a medication that that is no, yeah, highly it's sensitive it's, to the levels in your system. So
5: I've always kept it in my car because then it's there when I go to get an injection. And somebody told me, oh, you know, they've always done that. It doesn't matter, like extreme cold yeah. in the winter, extreme heat in the
3: winter.
2: But yeah, I mean these temperatures, like in a car when you're hitting, you know, over 50 degrees Celsius. I mean that can that can impact uh, most medications. Okay. Yeah,
1: maybe you want to yeah. take it somewhere else. Thanks, Bruce.
4: Thanks.
1: Okay, let's go to Lewis in Toronto. Hi, Lewis.
4: Hi, how are you, Libby?
1: Fine, how are you?
4: Great. Thanks for having this show. It's great. Very informational for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. And you asked a lot of good questions, by the way. Very good questions. (laughs) Thanks. Go ahead. Okay, so I have a lot of friends that have migraines, and it looks, appears it's very common with this intense heat, especially the heat wave we're having in the warnings and stuff, and uh, and they throw up, and you know they it's really, and they've actually been assessed. They have migraines from their doctors, and I'm just wondering, what do you do in this case with migraines? What do you, how do you prevent that, or how do you, what can you do to help them uh, with the migraines? Have any ideas?
2: Um, yeah, Lewis, I mean, the the whenever you get extremes in you know weather, especially light, a lot of times migraines are sort of you know, a lot of people that have migraines in the winter here, it tends to be kind of dark and gloomy. And then all of a sudden, you get the brighter sunshine in the spring. And that sunshine often triggers, you know, people that have migraines. And they often say, in the spring, when the when it's light and all that, I, my migraines get wor- worse, but it tends to be sort of extremely bright sunshine. And you get that, you know, that sensitivity. I mean, migraine sufferers, have a lot of problem with light sensitivity anyways just under normal circumstances and then when they're exposed to a lot of light um, that makes it even worse. So a lot of times it's not so much the extremes in heat but it's the extremes in the level of light and I mean we've we've had some fairly bright sunshine for uh, a long period of time now so that often is a trigger point for um, for migraine sufferers. I mean they they tend to get used to it over time but You know, migraine sufferers and light sensitivity are are two things that sort of go hand-in-hand together.
4: Okay. And do you suggest maybe they don't go out during, they don't go where it's bright sunshine in the morning and and then wait till it goes down? Would that help?
2: Yeah, you know, I think all of that stuff, you know, just, you know, if you can stay out of direct sunshine, especially if that's a trigger for you. I mean, migraine sufferers, I mean, everybody's got different trigger points so it's it's hard to generalize and just say you know stay out of light but if that is your one of the triggers for you i mean it certainly is the best advice that i could give is just you know, sit in the shade and get yourself out of bright sunshine as much as possible. Wear, some, wear some sunglasses things. and mm-hmm. and you know just because that that's usually where the pain comes is right behind the eyes, right? Yeah. So so you want to make sure that you know especially like your eyes. So you want to you know if you've got a
4: a good pair of sunglasses, um, that's just, the best
2: thing.
1: Okay, okay, okay Lewis. Thank you. Do so
4: you have one question? Quick question about uh, what do you th- what do you, do you Suggest magnesium makes a difference? Magnesium. Magnesium for migraines. Yeah, for migraines.
2: Um, I mean, that's a that's a supplement. I mean, it is it is probably one of the supplements that uh, is uh, recommended for migraine sufferers. Um, There has been some. Uh, you know studies out there that kind of says that you know there is a, uh, a an association between migraine or uh, magnesium depletion and migraines, but um, not a lot of good data. But but there is some. But uh, yeah, I mean magnesium is good for anybody, anyways, right? So we tend to not have enough of it. So
1: okay, okay thanks, Louis. Thank you very much. Okay, bye bye.
2: Goodbye.
1: Okay, Desrick in Pickering. Hi, Desric. Hello.
5: Go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, I'm. Um, I'm having a Pain and, and numbness in my uh, pinky finger and the next finger over.
2: Okay. Is that is that the result of uh, medication or is that a new thing for you, Desrick? Or it's
5: kind of new. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm diabetic. Uh, I've been taking um, glumetza for maybe ten years.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, the the mere fact that you're diabetic. Um, a lot of diabetics get what's called paresthesia, which is almost like, uh, you know, a, a, that numbness uh, in your extremities. Okay. So your fingers, your toes, you know, places like that are are where diabetes or diabetics usually have some issues with uh, with um, their circulation. And when you yeah, don't have, in, you my, don't...
5: in my in uh, my calf area too.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like the farther away from your heart, <laughs> the the tougher it is to get the circulation, right? So so a lot of times that precipitates itself by like you said that numbness or even sometimes it's pain. Like calf pain in diabetics is is pretty common. So so that's um, you know, that's you know, it sounds like you're treating the diabetes, um, you know, as much exercise as you can to improve the circulation, you know, keeping your feet uh, warm. I don't know if you, you know, not not so much now with the, with the heat, but uh, certainly when uh, the weather cools off, uh, you know, diabetics also have um, a lot of problems with keeping their fingertips and their toes warm and things like that. So um, that might be a problem for you as well. But, you know, a little bit of exercise, even just a little bit of exercise, gets the circulation going.
5: Okay, so exercise. I, I've been like I many times. I want to exercise, but I'm in too much pain to exercise. But right. uh, now it's getting a bit better, and I'm I'm exercising a bit more.
2: Yeah, yeah. But but even just you know sitting on a couch and you know moving your hands and, and, and your feet. You know. you
5: know, people
1: don't have mobility in their feet, and yeah. even just. Taking your shoes off and yeah. kind of wiggling your toes. Yeah, you're right, Libby. And that yeah. also helps with balance. Yeah. hmm we uh, t- Yeah, I
5: was I was listening about the balance too. Sometimes I'm I'm a bit wobbly too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, being steady on your feet is important. Desric, uh, thanks for your call.
5: Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye-bye
1: okay, uh give the numbers out again. We do have a few more minutes four one six three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty and one thing we haven't yet talked about, Dean, is how some medications can make you more sensitive to the sun
2: yeah that's a that's a big problem uh you know especially when u v levels are as high as they are uh right now um you know the, there are just hundreds of medications that that cause what we call photosensitivity and they can, and it varies all the way from you know just a little bit of tingling to you know a full full out rash to you know some pretty strong reactions to medication and and you know UV light um, you know obviously you know sunscreens and and that can block UV light but even in picking your sunscreen you know it's good to Go to your pharmacist and ask because some sunscreens, you know, only protect um, what we call half of the UV spectrum, mm-hmm. and the same the spectrum that that causes all these reactions with medication isn't the same thing that causes you to have a sunburn or a suntan. So a lot of times you have to make sure that you're using the right uh, sunscreen to go along with your medication that might cause you some photosensitivity, especially at this time of year.
1: And what are some of the medications that cause photosensitivity?
2: Yeah, I mean... Libby, there's, there's hundreds of them. Um, some of the most common classes are things as common as birth control pills, things as common as antibiotics. A lot of times, uh, we had a previous caller that talked about her medication had some um, a component of a water pill in there. So a lot of times diuretics and water pills can cause um you know some some sun sensitivity. The weird thing is, it doesn't happen with everybody. So uh, it's a very much a hit and hit and miss thing. But there are medications that make you a lot more prone to the to the sun and the impacts on the sun. So you have to. It's a great question that, you know, if you're in doubt, you should be asking your pharmacist. Uh,
1: wouldn't it be written down on the indications? Um,
2: you know, oftentimes it is, but but you know. Like I said, the degree of sensitivity really varies from person to person, um, and it doesn't happen to everybody. So, so um, I would say sometimes it is, but uh, you know, it's uh, I, especially at this time of year, I usually encourage uh, you know patients to ask their pharmacist about whether that medication is going to make you photosensitive or not. So
1: So, uh, basically, uh, if if you should be using extra protection.
2: Yeah, especially if you're going to be out for any length of time, and and again, it, you know, all sunscreens are not created equal. So some yeah. of them, some you're of talking them about cover
1: UVA, 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 UVB, as exactly. opposed to UVB,
2: right? Exactly, because some just cover UVB, right? And, and that, it's
1: UVA that causes yeah, this.
2: Absolutely, you've done your research. That is, that's yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and uh, d- does it also depend on whether it's chemical or mineral?
2: Um, well, you know uh, the different there are different sunscreen uh, ingredients that go into each one of these, so um, you know that that really um, impacts sort of the the degree the degree of protection because sometimes you can uh, you know a question we get a lot is, oh, this one you know is is uh, gives me protection fifty times you know or a hundred times. That really doesn't matter. It really matters, sort of, the type of sunscreen that you're using and whether it will protect you against some um, drug-related sun sun uh, interactions. So, right.
1: So yeah. uh, maybe make sure that you buy that you talk to your pharmacist yeah. about that, as opposed to just the cosmetics person. Yeah.
2: yeah exactly.
1: Okay. Uh, and in Toronto, hello, Anne. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm calling uh, about the price of
6: uh, CoverSill. I had my um, CoverSill covered. By by ODB, right. and I only had to pay the prescription fee. Um, there was uh, a change, I guess there's a... Um,
2: a generic brand?
6: Yes, for that just came out. Yep,
2: that's right. and, yeah, that's right. And
6: therefore, the ODB wouldn't cover it, but the manufacturer is uh, subsidizing that and picking up the extra cost. However, the pharmacy at a big retail store, uh, their base price automatically increases, So the end thing is that the senior then is paying double uh, out of their own pocket. And I'm just wondering whether why that exists and even whether it's ethical.
2: Well, pricing is a very, very complex world in pharmacy. One thing that I would ask about, though, to There's your There's a
1: deductible, though, for yeah, ODB. Yeah. A, but you're saying you, it'll eat up more of your deductible. Yeah, the but... other
2: thing that I would check, in is is sometimes ODB doesn't put medications on their formulary right away. And that change that you're talking about, Coversil just had a generic equivalent That's right. come onto the market. So I'm almost 100% guaranteeing that... That I think it's I think it's on the ODB formulary as they call it now, which means it should be covered.
6: It is, and and ODB will pay a uh, will pay part of it, but they would insist that you also uh, get the generic.
2: Right. But, so,
6: and you know I I can understand that. What I don't understand is why the manufacturer or the pharmacy automatically uh, increases the base cost and then when i looked into it they acknowledge that they have two different pricing one when the government is billed and two oh. a different higher price when uh private insurance
2: right oh so yeah okay i get i get it now okay. the um the government actually does it tells pharmacy what we can charge so that there's a formulary and they tell us so so they may say you will we can only charge $5 for that medication whereas the manufacturer you know is really the true cost that we buy it at because sometimes we have to sell it under cost because that's what the government tells us to do.
1: Yeah, so uh y- you would be paying just a deductible anyway under ODB. Um so No,
6: well you, you have it, it doubles the cost out of pocket.
1: Right, whatever. Uh it no there's a there's a deductible that everybody has to pay and it's about $100 anyway and I'm sorry we are out of time. Thanks for your call.
6: I'd like, the $100 isn't a factor in this thing.
1: Okay. Uh, Okay, that's all the time we have for today. Dean Miller uh, from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Thanks so much
0: for joining us. Thanks, Libby. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.